No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we see where Solomon offers sacrifices and the Lord offers him anything he wants. Solomon's request changes the course of his life. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 1 Kings chapter 3 on Simply the Bible. The uprising of Solomon's half-brother Adonijah had finally been put to rest. The ringleaders had all been executed or exiled. Solomon's kingdom was now firmly established. We continue today in 1 Kings chapter 3. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. David risked his life on the battlefield to defeat many enemy nations and claim their land for Israel. But Solomon had a different approach. He made treaties with the four nations by marrying their daughters. Pharaoh's daughter was Solomon's first acquisition of a foreign wife, of which there would seemingly be no end. He would eventually have 700 wives and 300 concubines. The law said that the king of Israel should not multiply wives. Now, David started on this road, but Solomon traveled to new destinations. With these many wives, especially foreign idolatrous wives, it would be Solomon's demise in later years. Solomon would build three houses. First would be the temple of the Lord, which would take seven years. Second would be his own palace, which would take 13 years. And third, he would build a house for Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 2. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. The high places were where the pagans sacrificed, feeling that the closer they got to heaven, the better the chance that their prayers would be answered by their gods. The Mosaic law prohibited offering sacrifices at places other than the tabernacle, but the practice was commonly observed in Israel because they had no central house of the Lord. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burnt incense at the high places. After Solomon was born, God gave him a new name, Jedidiah, meaning beloved of the Lord. Here we see that the feeling was mutual. As the Lord loved Solomon, so Solomon loved the Lord. Solomon started out very well, walking in the light and the legacy of his father David. Now, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Gibeon was about five miles north of Jerusalem in the territory of Benjamin. The tabernacle of meeting that God commanded Moses to build was there. As a first step, David had moved the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and put it in a tent. But the remainder of the tabernacle, including the bronze altar for burnt offerings, was still in Gibeon. 
Solomon offered 1,000 burnt offerings there. The burnt offering being the offering of consecration. And in this, Solomon was revealing his desire to be consecrated to the Lord as his father David was. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? God had spoken to David through prophets, but here he spoke to Solomon in a dream. If God told you to ask for whatever you want, what would you ask for? How we answer that question is very revealing. It shows what's going on in our heart of hearts. It gives us a clue to what motivates us. Solomon would later write, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. It is wise to consider what's in our heart and what truly motivates us. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? In this request, Solomon revealed four things about himself. First, he respected his father. He knew that David walked with the Lord in truth and righteousness and that this was why he had received mercy from God. Second, he had a humble opinion of himself. Solomon knew that he was young probably about 20 years old at the time, and he didn't know what he was doing. Third, he was concerned for Israel. He knew that Israel was a great nation that required a ruler with wisdom to judge the people. And fourth, Solomon desired above all things to have an understanding heart. Literally, he was requesting a hearing heart tuned to the voice of God so that he could lead Israel in the way of the Lord. Solomon placed the good of God's people above his own personal peace or prosperity or any desire to become powerful or popular. Like Solomon, we also have a great need for an understanding heart. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Who is sufficient for these things? Later, he would answer his own question. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Personally, I have a sense that I am insufficient and inadequate for the burden of the responsibilities given to me. As I look over the congregation on a Sunday morning and I consider what a great people their gifts, their callings, and their problems. I cry out, Lord, help me to lead your people in your way. How we all need God's wisdom. How we need a listening heart to discern the will of God and the motives of people. 
Warren Wiersbe writes, true wisdom involves skill in human relationships, as well as the ability to understand and cooperate with the basic laws God has built into creation. Wise people not only have knowledge of human nature and of the created world, but they know how to use that knowledge in the right way at the right time. How we all need wisdom. Verse 10, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. God was obviously well pleased with Solomon's request. Therefore, he would give Solomon what he desired. Now, we're told in 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So, if we desire wisdom, all we have to do is ask and believe, and God has promised to give it to us. But often, I find it comes through reading, hearing, and meditating on God's Word. We will see that God would give Solomon wisdom that exceeded all the wisdom of all the wise men who ever lived. And in the course of his life, he would write 3,000 Proverbs and 1,005 songs. He would be a biologist, speaking about trees, animals, birds, creeping things, and fish. People from all over the world would come and hear the wisdom of Solomon. But wait, there's more. God gave Solomon what he didn't ask for because God is gracious. He delights in giving his children good gifts like we delight in giving our children and grandchildren good gifts. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. God would give Solomon riches and fame. These are neither good nor bad in themselves, but they can stumble people. We are told in Psalm 62.10, If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. We must trust in the Lord and not in our wealth. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. We could say the same of fame, which could easily become a source of prideful boasting. The prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 9.23, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me 
that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Therefore, riches and fame are not evil in themselves, but do we place them before God? Anything that comes between us and our worship of the Lord is an idol. God would also give Solomon a long life, but that promise was conditional. Solomon would have to walk in God's ways as David walked. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed, it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. No longer was Solomon sacrificing at the high place. Now he was at the altar before the Lord, where the Ark of the Covenant was in a tent in the most holy place. Solomon couldn't go in there, but he could offer sacrifices outside the tent. Burnt offerings expressed the dedication of oneself to God, and fellowship offerings symbolized the fellowship people enjoy with God and with others through his grace. Solomon's feast expressed his joy and his gratitude to his people. Perhaps you're listening to this radio program because you desire wisdom, an understanding, or a hearing heart, and you have come to believe that this comes through the Word of God. If so, let me assure you, that desire pleases the Lord, and if you seek, you will find. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Next week, we will see where Solomon renders a judgment in the case of two disputing prostitutes that demonstrates his wisdom to all Israel. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Kings on Simply the Bible.